0: Welcome to Global Truth Center. This is from a musical called The Fantastics. Try to remember. And if you remember then follow. And that's really going to be the crux of my talk today. But I want to go back to a little bit of history, because really, how many of you still tell stories about your past? That's pretty much all of us. How many of you still remember your past? (laughs) And remember when you were growing up, and what that was like, and what it felt like, and all the things that happened to you in your life? Um, I came to New York. I went to New York. In the fall of 1974, I was a junior in college and my mother had just died from cancer. And when she did, in the fall, right on September 4th, the beginning of my junior year of college, I said to myself, actually I said to my father, I said, I have no reason to continue college. Because I was kind of doing it for her. She wanted her, one of her, my older brother did not go to college and I had the grades and she really wanted her, at least her second son, to go to college. But when she passed, right at the top of my junior year, I was like, there's no reason for me to do this. I really need to do what I want, what I should be doing in life, which is go to New York and be a star. That was my plan. (laughs) And my dad very graciously said to me, go. Probably had many reasons to do that, but (laughs) he basically said, go. Go. And Jonathan, can you pull this down a bit? It's a little ringing in my ears. Uh, he said, go, go, go follow your dream. And, um, and he was very gracious about that, and I did. So I went to New York, and one of the first musicals I saw was The Fantastics, which by the way, opened in 1960, 14 years before I got there, and was still really going strong. One of the most successful musicals of all time. It ran for 42 years the longest-running musical in history. What do you think the second one is? Cats. Cats. now and forever. No, Um, Phantom of the Opera, which ran for 33 years and is still going and may eclipse the Fantastics at some point. So Tom Jones and Harvey Schmidt, who wrote the Fantastics, they were Broadway royalty, and I wanted desperately, desperately to be in the Fantastics, you know, as a young boy, uh, 20, 19 years old, going to New York, 20 years old, actually, going to New York, I just wanted to play the boy in the Fantastics, so every time they had an audition for the Fantastics, I'd be down on Sullivan Street in this long line, waiting to go in and sing my 16 bars of, soon it's gonna rain, thank you, So, and I could never understand it. And finally, as I got better and better, and I had an agent, and I have said to my agent, can you just call and find out why I'm not getting cast in this show as the boy? I am perfect. I am exactly what this role is. And so the answer they got back, which was okay with me once I got it, was that I was too sexy. (laughs) That I was too sexy and too self-aware, which I also heard later in my career too self-aware, which really meant I came in and I would be like, you know, we're a young boy supposed to be there singing, you know, soon it's gonna rain. I'd be like, soon it's gonna rain, watch this. And they were like, yeah, that's not what we're looking for here. So, so I totally got that. <clears throat> but I had dreams of being in that show, which by the way, to this date, I have never been in that show. Never. I'm too old. Who said that? I could still play the boy. At the Muni, which is a big outdoor theater with a big, big space between you and the audience. Just dye my hair black, and I'd still be too sexy, though, so it's not going to happen. So almost 20, almost 20 years... Where is that? Here it is. Almost 20 years after the Fantastics, I went to another audition, a brand-new musical written by Tom Jones and Harvey Schmidt. And there was a character in that who was supposed to be the the sex symbol of the second act. And I thought, you want to see sexy? I'll show you sexy, and I'm about to show you sexy. Because I did get cast in this big musical they had written for Off-Broadway, and there I am. (laughs) There's the boy in the Fantastics. (laughs) So he grew up. So this is a show called Colette Collage, and this picture was something they took during the rehearsals just to get pictures out there, and it ended up being the shot they put all over New York City. There was no place I could walk. I'd go down in the subway, there would be my nipple. And I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, Lordy, everyone's seeing me. Um, it was on the cover of the New York Times when they did the, the, the review. Um, so why do I show you this? <laughs> Because I really gave it a thought. I was like, are they ready for my left? uh, uh, Left, I think, yeah. So, uh, because we have these stories that we remember. I remember that time. I remember that picture. I remember who I was then, who I thought I was then. Right after this, not right after this, maybe five years later, they had written another big musical that was going to Goodspeed Opera House. And some of you have seen this picture before. And I really wanted the part. And I knew I would be told again that's not the kind of character we're looking for. So I, I didn't shower. I grew my hair long. I let what little scrubble could come out of my face grow. And I was just gross. And I went to this audition, and they were so surprised that I actually looked like this. <laughs> this was a piece called Mirette, and it was about... Mirette on the high wire, and I played the great Bellini, the greatest tightrope walker in the world, and <clears throat> I really worked hard to go be someone that I wasn't, to go create something that I wasn't, and to make people believe I was someone that I wasn't. How often in your life do you think you try to be something you're not, or even try to take on a character that you've decided you want to be, but it's not your authentic self. Because that's what they're looking for. That's what the world wants. So, why am I telling you all this? The title of my talk today, well, wait, I have one more slide. Get back to the Fantastics. Right after Mirette, I'd already become a very known director, and I was asked to consider directing a production of the Fantastics not be in it, but direct it. And the caveat, of course, was it was going to be with these two stars who were going to play all the roles, but they also wanted my husband to play El Gallo. And that, by the way, is Tony Robbins' stepdaughter playing, playing the girl. So I got to really fulfill my dream, because I did get to play the boy when I was showing the boy how I would play it. Uh, <laughs> because that's, of course, how directors direct, show you how to play the role. Um, but it came full circle. But I was not the boy anymore. I was someone else. And watching that production happen was fascinating for me, because all of my needs, my desires, they kind of went, flew out the window because I became of service to the piece. Now it was about expressing the piece through my own person, personality. So... Why do I go into these stories? Well, the title of my talk today is this, Rewriting Memories. How many of you, when you tell your stories, how many of you embellish them years later? (laughs) Every hand should go up, really? (laughs) Do you need to know what embellish means? (laughs) Embellish is a polite word for lying. No, where you embellish it, suddenly I was not wearing a blue shirt, I was wearing this amazing red shirt that I got at Bill Blass. No, you weren't, it was from Marshalls. (laughs) When you just embellish it a little bit, or maybe even not even embellishing, maybe you tell your stories and omit a couple of things. (laughs) Does anybody do that? Yeah, you omit who you were then and what you really did and what you really said, right. Because we do rewrite our memories to fit ourselves, but when I go back and look at those pictures, which you know i've I've really um, had fun doing putting this talk together, um, I looked at those pictures as though they were other people. Do you do that when you go back and look at the pictures of yourself from the past as though it's that that's that was someone else? Have you hear yourself say, oh my God, that was someone else then. I was someone else then. No, you weren't, actually. And this idea about rewriting memories, that can work in a very profoundly positive way, rewriting your memories, because your memories come with feelings. The feelings are like neural pathways in your brain, the feelings that you have created from those memories, from living the life you've lived, you have created all of these beliefs and premises, and they're all wrapped around these memories you have of yourself. But are they correct? And I don't mean just because you're embellishing them or, 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 or ignoring some of them. Are they correct? Are the memories you have of your past true memories? Are they correct? And more importantly, and this is where I'm going, and anybody that's in any of my classes right now, if you're reading Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, you read the little part in chapter one about the people that prayed for, for disease, for, for a septus that was going on in a hospital. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed, and they had great results from their prayers. What they didn't know is that they were praying for a septus that happened ten years ago. Now, I'm sure your mind's going, what? Because mine did. It still does, actually. You know, can I pray today and, and affect something in the past? Well, if we are really living in a quantum field of pure potentiality, of energy, and there is no past, present, and future, time has collapsed into one thing. We just know it as linear time. We've accepted it as linear time. But if life is eternal and infinite, why do we think life is only infinite this way? Life is also infinite this way, and that way, and this way, every way. So Joe Dispenza talks in his book about the fact that these people prayed and they were affected 10 years prior. I have a hard time wrapping my head around that. Anybody else? Yeah, I do. I do. And even part of me, as I was reading, I was like, really? I mean, come on. How could you prove that? But you know what? Here's the thing. It's a good question to ask, could this happen? Our minds are too quick to say, come on, that's not gonna happen, that can't happen. And now we're shut down and there's no possibility for any of that to possibly be true because we said no to it. This month of questioning, it is about really being willing to question. And when I say rewriting memories, I'm talking about questioning your own beliefs around your memories. And if that is true, if somehow that is true, that we can affect the past, then I'd like to actually spend some time knowing some things into my past, as much as into my future. I'd like to go back and look at some of these things, some of the things that maybe I have not reconciled. I asked you earlier today, how many of you still have things to forgive? Perhaps you're not forgiving them because you're not remembering them correctly. Perhaps you're not forgiving them because you've decided something about them that makes it unforgivable. And perhaps our job is to rewrite that memory and to go back and say, all right, let me look at this from a different perspective. In fact, let me not look at this from this happened and this happened and this happened. He said this, she said this, I felt this way, and done! Anybody react that way to some things about the past? Right. I know you do. And... I can't even imagine what you hadn't forgiven me for. But perhaps if we were willing to go back and look at our lives that way from a clean perspective, being willing to bring whatever we need to bring up and look at it, not knowing what we know, but knowing nothing, just questioning, what really happened here? What really went on here? So what do I really remember about these pictures. I know that for years and years and years, I was thrilled that there was a picture of me that in my mind looked so sexy, I had it to prove all these years. Now when I look at it, my first thought was, do I show that at church? (laughs) And obviously I chose yes. Um, But there's a part of me that still is caught up in that image of myself. And you know what happens when you're caught up in that image of yourself? This image of yourself doesn't do so well, <laughs> or you're trying to keep it so hard. How many of us are still trying to keep our looks based on what we thought we looked like? You don't have to do a show of hands because it's most of us. What? Right? <laughs> the younger and less weight you, yes. And here's the thing: how beneficial is that in our lives? Really beneficial. Can you go back and rewrite that memory? Because let me just tell you something about myself back then. That picture was everywhere. I did not feel the way I see that picture today. I felt embarrassed. I felt that I was skinny. I felt that I was, because I was gay and still at that point in my life, I was still flip-flopping and I wasn't sure anybody should know that about me because I'm an actor. My career's not going to go well. I have to keep putting this out there, but it was I was living the imposter syndrome, living my whole life as an imposter, because who I presented to the world was not what was inside of me. I can go back and look at that now, and as opposed to seeing that picture and going hot, I can look at that picture and go, I love that you had to go through that, and I support you. And I think that can affect that boy back then, because if that boy back then knew who he turned into, hmm. Sounds a little egoic, ego, but I don't mean it that way. I so love myself now, and I didn't then. But I have that picture, and that picture looks great, and I can pull it out when I want to. But I'd rather go back and rewrite that memory and remind him what's going on. So that's really what I wanted to talk about today. How do memories work in relationship to time? First of all, if you're telling any stories about yourself that that, that make you look bad... Or that you know denigrate you in any way, stop telling those stories, and importantly, not only stop telling those stories, but start looking at those stories and understanding them better. Find a way to go back and look at what you consider the dark story, the dark stories of your life, a daytime soap opera and look at them and say, "I can see this with different eyes so I want to look at these lyrics. Try to remember the kind of September when life was slow and oh so mellow. We rehearsed this today and Annie came in and she had a tear in her eye and she said this was my mother's song. And um, it was very... And she's calling. (laughs) Yeah, Mom. And uh, it was very emotional. This song is very emotional to me too. I think they tapped into something profound with this song. I mean... Didn't you all feel it as soon as you hear that bum, 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 and then Kevin starts singing. It's like, and curtain. When life was slow and oh so mellow, the point of questioning this month is that you have the time to question and listen and hear that you give yourself that gift. Try to remember the kind of September when grass was green and grain was yellow. Such beautiful lyrics. Try to remember the kind of September when you were a tender and callow fellow. And I know when you looked at me and you sang that, it touched me. Because that's when we met. I was a tender and callow fellow. (laughs) 33 years ago. Now I am a tender and callower fellow. Thank you. Try to remember, and if you remember, then follow. So, when I was directing this show, I asked Harvey Schmidt, um, I got to work with Tom and Harvey, because I had wanted it to be rewritten, and we had this amazing production of it that toured the country, and I asked Harvey, sitting at a piano, I said, Harvey, can you just tell me why you wrote all those follows? It's just follow, 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 follow. follows, and it's a lot of follows. And he was very good, and I have his quote here. He said, um, "Oh, first first I asked him how he wrote the song. And he told me that the, this is one of those songs that came fully formed. He Didn't have to work for it. He just They were looking for a new opening number to the show, and the song just came through him. And it just came. So he said it was totally, totally... And then I said, but why all the follows? And he said... Because I wanted people to remember what they remember but then follow it into their story. And I remember when he told me that, I was like, oh, made me direct the show very differently when I got to the follows, certainly with the girl, letting her really go out from it. But here's the thing that I take in, in a quantum way. Remember what you remember, but we live in a world of quantum energy that is constantly evolving. It's not about just the memory, it's about remembering what you remember and then allowing the universe to take it and follow it into your story so that you don't just take it and stagnate, as so many memories do, but we take those memories and grow and follow, 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 as many follows as we can have. So there's this wonderful quote from Euripides. And he says, question everything, learn something, answer nothing. How many of you feel you could live your life that way? Yeah, not a lot of hands. Good for you. <laughs> not a lot of good, Laurie Savage. So good for you. I, I, lo- I want to go to the answer nothing. Yes, you could do that too? you love that. Answer Nothing. Like, why should I answer a question that has changed since the breath came out of your mouth? The question constantly is evolving. And if I give you my answer, it's a stale old answer from a thought a minute ago. That's what this month is about for me, not having the answers, which is pretty amazing to say as I'm teaching, you know, seven classes a week to have no answers, but I love that I have no answers. And you can question me on anything because I want the answers to be fluid. I want them to be current. I want them to be that which Tom, uh, Harvey said, that's following, following the energy, following the question itself. We tend to think that things we remember, the things we've perhaps lost, are behind us. Your memories are not behind you. Your pictures are from the past are not behind you. They are within you. They are current. And they deserve your current thoughts about them, not your past thoughts about them. What if we could only know the absolute present current fluid truth about everything in our life? Everything, no matter what it was. I always tell the story about my father when, when he passed um, when my father passed, I, I was with him, and then I think I've told a lot of you this, or many of you have heard this. When he passed, I was with him, and I asked him, what would you change? Hoping he would say, I would change the way I raised your kids. <laughs> I'd spend more time with you. I would have done a better job as a father, because I had, I had judgment. But he didn't. He said, I'd change nothing. Everything I did was perfect. And I was like, well, then, Okay. And I was really annoyed at that. Years later on stage, in the middle of a talk, I was saying something, and and it it totally referred to my father. And I said something like, I know that when I get to the end of my life, I want my life to have been fully realized. I I would not want to change anything. I will be that smart when I get to the end of my, my... As I'm saying this, and it was at Unity of New York when I was giving this talk, by the way. And I'm giving this talk, and all of a sudden my head's like, that's what your father said to you. I was like... Talk about a memory that morphed. Talk about a memory that finally had made sense to me. And now I understand my father actually got to the point where I wanted to get to, when I get to my last day of saying, nope, I did everything the way it was supposed to happen. Because I do believe my life is unfolding perfectly. So if it's unfolding perfectly, what? It wasn't unfolding perfectly then? No, it was. So what if you were able to rewrite your memories from where you are today? Knowing what you know today. Be willing not to remember without questioning what you remember. That's really what I came here today to talk about and to say to you. Your memories are so beautiful, so delicate, but they're ongoing. They're growing. They're evolving. You get to rewrite them. And I don't mean rewriting them because you can rewrite them better than they happened. Anybody do that? I can totally rewrite that and make it look much better. No, I mean rewrite the essence of it, rewrite the feeling of it. What does the, what does the, the, I don't wanna say how old you are, what does the 80 year old you today believe that maybe the 20 year old you didn't? How about taking that intelligence and wisdom and going back and looking at that? As opposed to what we generally do. Go back to that 20-year-old situation and feel what was felt, and now we're just right back in it. That's what it takes. It takes the guts to go back and look at all of it from who you are today. Who would like to try that? (laughs) Some of you are like, no way. (laughs) So I want to close this with the last lyrics. Deep in December, it's nice to remember... Although you know the snow will follow, deep in December, it's nice to remember, without a hurt, the heart is hollow. Deep in December, it's nice to remember the fire of September that made us mellow. Deep in December, our hearts will remember and follow. We're in September, the fire is blazing. December is right around the corner for every single one of us. I would like to get to December as the fire that just keeps going and then Once everything makes perfect sense, and it will, by questioning everything, then follow. Namaste. Hi, this is Dr. James Mellon, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message and ask you for your support. Your tax-deductible donation to Global Truth Center ensures that we can continue to provide you with this form of inspiration each week. To make a contribution now, please visit our website at globaltruthcenter.org. Again, thanks for listening. Namaste.